Live, hour number two, game uh, three of the World Series coming up. And Ken Rosenthal is going to join us in a sec. He's hustling today, did Fair Territory, which is up there. We'll promote it again when he's on here, but it's on Apple, Spotify. It'll be up on YouTube quite soon, so look out for that. We'll get into some manager talk, too. Did you see who's um, looking at the Cleveland Guardians job? Aircraft. Still not aircrafts. <laughs> Craig Council is going to meet with the Guardians. Dude. They ain't going to pay him. Kratz, tell him. Tito, Tito just left and he was the mm-hmm. highest paid manager. So if you want to go somewhere to get the most money possible, why not go to the team that paid the most money? If he gets that offer, it's like, it's like when you're in free agency. You want the mm-hmm. Blue Jays to call you. Mm-mm. You don't want to play for the Blue Jays. You want the Blue Jays <laughs> to call you to get the extra year, the extra cash, and then you'd be like, hey, look, look what I got. I got this amount of money from the Cleveland Guardians. Now pay Mm-mm. me. Mm-mm. I will say. He's not. The, I'll, I'll, the go Guardians I'll say right now, he ain't Brewers. going there. Oh, I'll agree with that. Yeah. But you got to go interview. It's just like saying, oh, AJ Pruszynski's not signing with the Blue Jays. But He's going to go to Toronto and listen to what listen to what Ross Atkins has to say because they're going to say, "Well, I know you're getting 50 million from these guys, but we'll give you 60." And you're like, "Wow, neat. Thanks. I'll take that. Here. I want to be a cub for life. Cubs, give me 58 million and I'll go play for you." Great steak dinner out in Toronto, too. He's not going to Cleveland. If people fall for that, if people actually fall for him going to Cleveland, then there's not some very smart people out there. Maybe he will, but he's not going to Cleveland. He's going to Milwaukee or New York. And you know what? I lo- You know what is great about Craig Council in this whole thing? And when Ken comes on, I want to ask him. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking about, oh, he wants to reset the manager's salaries and all that. I mean, he's got a great agent because his agent's throwing that out there so everyone knows that he wants a lot of money. Great agent job. Great agent work by him, whoever his agent is. That's crushing it. Super agent. Because we're supposed to do. But I know with Stearns going to New York. Oh, Craig's a free agent. Oh, we're gonna oh go to New York. Oh, we're also gonna sneak in here to Cleveland though. Yeah. Oh, we have Milwaukee too. There are a lot of manager openings right now. Anaheim. He's going to Anaheim. San Diego. Artie Moreno. AJ Peller loves Craig Council. He's going there too. Well, breaking news. Nobody loves Ken Rosenthal like we do. Let's bring him on our FT Senior Insider right now. So I wanted to start World Series, but let's actually do this first, just because we're on it, Ken. Um, Craig Council interviewing one of the hottest free agent managers we've seen in a while. We don't usually talk like this. I actually think it's cool and it's fun and there's a lot of openings. So he hit the market at the perfect time. Are you like, and I will agree with AJ on this one, like us two saying no chance that he ends up with Cleveland over Milwaukee and New York. I would tend to agree with that. And the reason I say no chance is not that Cleveland would be unwilling to pay Craig Council. They might be willing to pay him. They paid Terry Francona well as a manager. But if you're Craig Council, besides the money, one of the things I imagine you would leave for is a team with deeper resources than the Milwaukee Brewers. The Cleveland Guardians do not have deeper resources than the Milwaukee Brewers. In fact, they might have even fewer resources. And I'm talking about payroll here. So from that perspective, it would be a lateral move at best And I don't even know that I would call it a lateral move because their payrolls are not going to be very high in Cleveland for a while. And that's just the way it is there. 
if you want to leave, you probably want to leave for a team with a bigger payroll, a team that can spend money to do some things that are not available to you in Milwaukee. So that is why I don't see it. I can see the Guardians making a strong case, and their front office is well-respected. Francona, for the most part, had a great relationship with them. I can't see Craig Council saying, you know what, I'll take Cleveland over Milwaukee, even if the money is that much better. I, I just don't see that. Is the feel you get around the Diamondbacks locker room, Diamondbacks media and everything as they come back to Arizona that they're the better team because technically they should be up 2-0 or they feel more dejected like, ah, we should have had that first game and we should be up 2-0? Eric, they're certainly not dejected. That is not the vibe I get at all from their players, staff, anything like that. They do wish they were up 2-0, of course, but they achieved what all road teams want to do in a best of seven. They split the first two games. If you would have won the first two, even better. It didn't happen that way. It's baseball. They were close. They were two outs away. So it seems that, if anything, the Diamondbacks have only gained confidence through this whole process. Starting with, of course, their first series win against the Brewers. Then it really peaked against the Dodgers when they knocked out Kershaw. When they swept the Dodgers, their old nemesis, at that time, they started to feel it. And then when they got down against Philly twice, 2-0 and 3-2, and came back to win the series, at that point, you're not going to be worried so much about who you are anymore. You kind of know. And that's where they are. I expect this series from here to get a little sloppy. And I don't mean performance on the field. I mean with the pitching. We're going to see a lot of bullpen the next two nights. And we'll see how it all plays out. All right, you wrote back, I think, about a month ago about Tommy Pham being the Tommy Pham that we all now know. If you played with him, you knew that's the Tommy Pham. What kind of what kind of other sentiment did you hear after we heard after we heard about what Tommy did to give Jason at bat in in the World Series? Well, the first thing I heard, Eric, was from another of his teammates who texted me. And I won't give his name because I don't know if he would want me to give his name. But this guy texted me. and He had texted me after that article appeared too. And he said, hey, look at this. And I was not aware of the Jace Peterson situation, what had happened at that moment. It was early yesterday morning. And I saw that and I said, whoa, that's pretty cool. And then talking to Fam and Jace Peterson yesterday, I felt it was even cooler. And to set the stage for people who might not be aware, Tommy Fam was 4 for 4 in game two. Could have been only the third player in history, the third, to have five hits in a World Series game. And he went to Tori Lovello in the bottom of the eighth and said, I need my boy to get in it back. And his boy was Jace Peterson. These guys are two veterans. Fam's 35, Peterson's 33. I don't know that they were teammates until this season when Fam was traded over, but they've played against each other. They have a mutual respect. And for Fam to do that, I don't know that most players would even think that way on the verge of a five-hit game, potential five-hit game, and yet that was his thought process. So to me, it spoke volumes about who Tommy Pham is, but as you mentioned, Eric, we wrote that story, it was a little more than a month ago now, it was Will Salmon and I in The Athletic, and we quoted a lot of people about what kind of teammate Tommy Pham is, and if I recall, the headline of the story was the Tommy Pham you don't know or something like that. Because most people know him from his slap heard around the world when he slapped Jake, Jock Peterson, not Jace Peterson, over a fantasy football dispute 
Well, that's Tommy Pham too. It's not going to deny that, but there's a lot more to him. And I think everyone who was following the World Series really got a great glimpse of it after learning of what happened in game two. Ken, do you feel like he's misunderstood Tommy Pham? I mean, playing off of this and not just the jock situation, which I think brought in many casual fans as well. And certainly you can make a case that that was not the right thing to do in that situation. But yes, like you said, if you know Tommy, you probably understand um, how he operates, at least to an extent. I think it also has to do with the way that he responds to questioning sometimes because he just doesn't want to be boring and vanilla and he just talks to you like a real person. But sometimes that has hurt him because it happens pretty frequently. I mean, for us, he's gold. And it's not like just something goofy or he's making fun of things. Like he just tells it like it is, which included his personal thoughts that he didn't want to get into too much right now, that he didn't feel like the Mets were a hustling team all the time, like other teams that he had been around in the past. I super respect the opinion there because you know you're going to deal with backlash on that front. I remember, what was it, a year or two ago with the Reds when he said something about how he's worrying about his stats, and I felt like it was kind of t- taken the wrong way. So do you feel like him being transparent hurts him, which I think kind of hurts our sport too. Like, let the dude talk. I would agree that people will get the wrong impression sometimes of guys who speak their mind. If I could describe Tommy Pham, I would say he is blunt. I would say he is thoughtful. I would say he is really intelligent. And I would say he cares a whole lot. Not a lot of players work harder than Pham. And he's been through some things in his career. He's had that eye condition. He's a guy that has had to overcome some odds. And whether he's misunderstood or not, when things like this happen and are publicized, as this incident, if you want to call it that, has been, then people gain a greater awareness. And Scott, when we wrote that story a month ago, the purpose was exactly what you said. People think of him one way because of how blunt he is in interviews, because of what happened with Jock, because of all these different things. And yet there is another side. And it's our job as journalists, actually, to tell that other side. And that was the goal of the story. And in my view, it, it gave a glimpse into Tommy Pham. And the kinds of elements we discussed in that story were all amplified by what he did with Jace Peterson, which to me was one of the cooler things I've ever heard a player do, to be perfectly honest. I'll say this about Tommy Pham. I played with Jace and Tommy. Um, Tommy, when he was first coming up, Jace, when he first came up, um, Tommy was, yes, everything you said. Jace is, if you've seen him on here, he's been on the show a couple of times. He came on the day he wasn't added to the NLCS roster and talked to us and was great, right? Um, but Tommy, you, you mentioned the eye thing. As someone whose family has been affected by Caracatonis and know, knows what Tommy has been through, when I, when I went to Tommy and, and called him when, you know, family member of mine was going through it, and I called him, and he couldn't have been better about it. Talked to him. I happened to be doing a Mets game. We, we sat down and talked for, for an hour about it. Uh, he took his time out, sat down and said, hey, this is what I went through. This is what I recommend you do. This is who I recommend you go see. And he could not have been a better human being for the way he reacted. And, and you know, he could have told me, like people would say, oh, he, he could have told me, you know, F off. Like, you know, we played together 10 years ago, but he did not. He sat down. We had a conversation. He ran me through all the things he has to go through. Uh, all the things he has to do. And if you, if people knew the story about him in his eyes, you would be amazed that this guy can play in the major leagues because of what he exactly. has to go through on a daily basis just to be able to see well enough to play major league baseball. So uh, I'll defend Tommy Pham until the day that I pass away and until I move on and I'll defend Jace Peterson. And I'm happy for Jace because he might not get another at bat, but at least he got that one and kudos to Tommy Pham for being the guy 
to, to do that for him and give it to him. Yeah, I'm with you, AJ. And again, when I first learned of this yesterday, I thought, wow, that is one of the cooler things I can ever imagine a baseball player doing. Now, what's interesting, I want to ask you guys about this. Jace Peterson said it's not as uncommon as the average fan or writer might think. He recalled something that happened in 2018. He was closing in on an incentive based on plate appearances. And Adam Jones, they were with the Orioles then. Adam's not with us today, but we'd ask him about his if he was. He gave Jace a couple of at-bats, maybe more than a couple, or told the manager to give him some at-bats, helping or trying to help Peterson reach that incentive. Now, Jace said he didn't get there, but it's the thought that counts, right? And I didn't know that that was a common thing at all, but I guess it happens once in a while, right? It does, totally. Totally. Uh, I mean, I'm just telling these guys – in 2002, we were losing to the Angels, and we were going to lose in the LCS, and Tom Prince was my backup, and he had never had a postseason at bat. And Gardy, Gardy was our manager, and he says – and I went up to him, and I said, hey, listen, Prince has never had a postseason at bat. We're not – we're down 10 runs or something in the ninth inning. I'm like, can you give Princey my bat? And Tom Prince was forever grateful for the fact that he got that one postseason at bat. He'd been to the postseason a bunch of times, but he had never gotten in at bat. My at bat didn't mean anything to me. I was like, oh, I'm going to be in the playoffs every year. I'm young. Like, I'm stupid. I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm like, to this guy, it meant a lot. And he came That's up cool. to me after the game and was like, hey, man, th- I can't thank you enough for, get, you know, you didn't have to do that. You could have taken the at-bat. And he's like, I appreciate it. And for him, he always has – he got one postseason at-bat. That was the only at-bat he got. But at least he got that one. And, I like that. And, and, and things like that, you're right. And they do happen all the time. I think sometimes we forget that players are thoughtful and they care about their teammates. And they also care about the history and what guys have done and, and what, you know, because, again, getting to the postseason is special in baseball, and not everyone gets an opportunity to do it. Look at Trout and Otani. I mean, listen, right? I mean, it, it just doesn't happen as much, and I think sometimes guys are, are much more mindful of things going around on around them than what we give them credit for. Yep, well said. Right, and what right. separates this one, again, is the fact that he could have made history with that at bat. Tommy Pham could have. Albert Pujols in 2011, Paul Molitor in 1982, the only two players to have a five-hit game in the World Series. Pham could have been the third. Now, he said he wasn't aware of that, and it probably wouldn't have made a difference. He still would have given the at-bat to Jace. So, Ken, I want to finish with this because we're going to kick off a combo right after this. Just keeping it general, the commissioner spoke the other day. Was there anything that stood out to you that you definitely wanted to comment on? Obviously, he went over playoff format, maybe shrinking down from 13 to 12 pitchers on a roster, Oakland situation, Billy Epler investigation, uh, the pre-tacked baseballs, which we'll definitely get insight from these guys coming up. But anything stand out to you? Yes, the comments about the format. And what I've known from the commissioner over the past, I don't know, however many years he's been commissioner, and what I've seen him do, more to the point, the way I've seen him react at times, he can be defensive. And he can say, hey, this is fine. Don't criticize or question this. We're going in a good direction. And he didn't say that with regard to the format. He did say, we'll take a look at it. There's been enough talk, enough conversations that we're going to have to take a look at it. Now, it's been a great postseason. It's been exciting, dramatic, all of these things. And I'm sure he is basking in that glow to some extent, just as he is basking in the glow of the pitch clock and all that happened in the regular season with increased attendance. But he didn't say there, hey, bug off, we're going to go with this format, we're good. He said, we'll take a look at it. Now, do I expect anything to change? No, and it would take collective bargaining, and it probably wouldn't happen until the next CBA. But the mere fact that he would entertain 
the idea that this maybe isn't working as ideally as that baseball would want, that to me was something of a departure for him. It wasn't his normal, hey, everything's good, shut up, kind of thing. Now, I mean, he doesn't talk like that, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. That was good. Yeah, hey, I'm always in for any Ken impression, so I like it. But yeah, he loves role play, Ken. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Ken, have fun. Enjoy the game. Go crush it again as usual. We'll talk to you later this week, okay? Enjoy the four Thanks, seasons. Ken. Enjoy the built more, Ken. Yeah, all of that. Got all it, that. AJ. Thank you. Nice talking to you. <laughs> Fair Territory is alive and well right now. Fresh episode just came out. Hot off the presses. Check it out on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Look at the topics, which include, yeah, Merrill Kelly. I mean, that is quite the story that Ken um, highlights. Adolis and Kittel. Uh, Ken's looking at, you know, what he does and his average day in the World Series. Juan Soto for Yankee fans and others. Um, Dude and Dork the Week and answering your questions in Grill and Ken. Okay, so let's continue the conversation right now before our next guest with a little That's What He Said, which is going to be starring... Commissioner Manfred for what he went over. So I felt like we, as a group of us three, kind of went over the thoughts to the playoff format already. But here, you got multiple choice. Kratz, I'll let let you choose. You want to talk next about potential of shrinking pitchers on roster, the update on Vegas, Billy Epler's Phantom IL that everyone does, or the pre-tech baseballs. Pick a category, and we'll go to that one next. Pitcher shrinkage. Okay, pitcher shrinkage, great. Great <laughs> title for YouTube. Uh, 13 pitchers to 12 is the potential. And quote from Manfred, the way that pitching is being used right now has caused a diminution in that star kind of quality from some of our starters. And I do think it's an issue that we should talk about. There's a lot of fans who feel like the change from what's today's pitching matchup to who's the opener today has been a positive. We went to 13. I don't think it's had the desired effect. There are a few numbers smaller than 12, but that change would not come as soon as 2024, just for everyone to know. Um, it looks like just for next year, it'll be kind of smaller tweaks. But also, uh, it, you're shaking uh, well, your I head. I just understand Aren't why. Are they going to just option more pitchers, too? I, yeah, it just caused more. I just don't understand. Yeah, there'd be more of a shuttle. It'd be more of an open. I just don't understand why the commissioner can tell you how many people you want on your team. If I want, if I want nine position players and I want 17 pitchers and that's my, and someone gets hurt and I got to use a like what? Because teams bullpen and it's boring, but that's, that's the prerogative. I don't understand why we can decide how many pitchers and players we can have on a team. You can do anything. You can decide how many pitchers or how many position players should be on each side of the field. How many position players should be on the grass? Are we a little bit too reactive in this job? Oh, one person complains, oh, no more shift, which I'm all for the shift because I want to see balls and play be hits and I want to see more action. But, oh, let's let's do this and let's do that. It's like we're always, you know, oh, the postseason format, let's change it because, oh, it's the 100-win teams have won. The other teams are hot. What do you want to – I mean, it, it, it happens. It's been two years of it, though. Let's give it some time. Let's just not be like, oh, well, one person complained on Twitter, so we're going to change all the rules again. I mean, just when we get used to it, like it's like the ghost runner, or as Kratz calls it, the the zombie, zombie. runner, the <laughs> zombie runner on second. The ghost runner is better, but the yeah. zombie runner. Well, I mean, come on, like we had it the whole year. Now we're going back. Like, I don't know, I mean, and I'm not the old man on the lawn because I like some of the changes, like the no, no shift that's and all progressive that. to want the man on second and extras. Yeah, like I want how if you play this way the whole year, why do we change it now? The most important games of the year. 
you're preaching to the choir. I like it. Most fans despise it, I guess, or at least I'm crowdsourcing like MLB is by looking at people that complain the loudest. Well, let's get back to the shrinkage with pitchers here. This is like, I, I don't understand. Every other league is trying to figure out ways to, to help people stay healthy. And they're going to bring 12 guys instead of 13. So they're just going to keep breaking more and more pitchers. Like, I think this is total just, just stop. Like, cut the marionette court. Stop trying to, like, make it the game that you want to make it. Like, oh, we got to put the players over here. And then we got to make sure they're over here so that this idea of what we think the game, we at the commissioner's office think the game should look like, let the teams play the games. And look at what's happened. We have a team that absolutely bashes home runs and a team that steals bases. They can hit homers too. I think that's a bad narrative to have all the time. But let teams create the type of baseball that they want to create. If they want 14, 15, if they want a triple-A roster of nine position players and four catchers on their team, let them do it. Like, let the teams create it to make it the most competitive that they can make it. Not, not what we think, oh, is the most appealing product on the field. It brings more creativity too. And you can play with your roster more by having different numbers of different players. For me, it plays with, you can play with your roster more. You can, you can get more creative. It makes the utility guy more valuable, it makes a Ben Zobrist. It makes a, Guy like that, they can play a bunch. Denny Hawking, they can play all over the field. Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani. But is he considered a pitcher? So you lose one. Is he can since he's a pitcher player? See, is he considered a pitcher? So they have to have an extra roster. Do you see what I'm saying? So they have to have one less starter, but they have to have an extra one less pitcher, but they have to have an extra starter. So it messes up. Do you see how that another problem with Shohei? I mean, not that there's a should lot. Should be of, a good problem. That it is have, a good problem. But do you see what him. I'm saying? Yeah. If I, he's a, considered a pitcher. Yeah then that's one less pitcher the Angels can have on their roster. And then plus they already have to carry an extra starter because he's a six-day – they use a six-man rotation. That really narrows your bullpen down. My thing is, it, is there a solution though, Kratz? So the one thing I do agree on is when I look at a starting pitching matchup and I see those big names, that does make me want to go to that game. You know, like if I see Scherzer versus Verlander, I'm like, cool – as opposed to, oh, it's the Rays and Giants, and they're just throwing nine names at you, and half of them were in the minor leagues yesterday. Like, it's it's not sexy. It's not good marketing for the sport. So I agree this isn't necessarily the right way to do it, but is there a right way to do it? You can't just say, oh, you got to teach you got to teach the players not to worry as much about velocity and blowing out for five innings. Okay, well, it's been a while. That's not working. No, that's not that's not going to happen. But my thing is, from a commissioner's standpoint, from the MLB office standpoint, like, so you're telling me that because, let's see, who 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 opened a lot of games? Anderson was it? Ryan Anderson opened a ton of games for the Stand Giants. It. Oh, oh, uh, Sean Anderson. No, that was Sean Armstrong with the Rays. He was anyway. Whoever whoever it was, maybe it was Sean Anderson with with the Giants opened a lot of games, they were still bringing bulk guys behind and you're not going to get like, like if you're telling me that because an opener is coming out for the first inning, less people are coming to the stands because, you know, 
Ross Stripling isn't starting. I don't think like your draw, you can't have Max Scherzer versus Zach Allen every single night. You can't have Blake Snell versus Clayton Kershaw every night. So who really cares if it's an opener? I, I don't I don't think that I don't think that messes with anything. And if you drop it down to 12 pitchers, teams are just gonna do more AJ Preller stuff anyway, where you're gonna have investigations into manipulating. Hey, good job. You did a great job, but uh you just threw the last two nights and we need someone else to come up. You're on the shuttle. Like they didn't do anything with the options. They didn't do anything. Yes, they said, you know, five, five times you're allowed to be optioned up and down. That is a ton of times to move up and down throughout a season. Like, I, I just don't, I don't think, I think there's more negative in having an opportunity for guys to get hurt when you have less pitchers. Is there a solution or are we just going to have a billion pitchers always? I mean, 13 is not a billion. That's half the roster. No, no, no. I'm okay. I'm, I'm actually rephrase. Is there a solution to try and get more marquee starting pitching matchups in our game where you know who the starters are? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Is there a way to promote that without trying to tweak rules that cause injuries and just create other loopholes? Where you develop better pitching. Yeah, right. that's not but even that was that. my first thing. How, how do you do that? That hasn't well, happened. You start, you start by, you start at the lower levels and you develop guys into being starting pitchers instead of give me max effort for three innings, four innings, and piggyback them with another guy for three or four innings. Like you say, all right, seven innings is important. Get, get me to the seven and we'll go from there. That used to be kind of, you know. But well, teams aren't doing that. I understand that. But, but the commissioner you, you can't, can't do anything. I mean, he can't yeah, make a rule to make that. him do that. If he liked it, he would. If he, if I feel like he can do whatever he wants at this point, he's making all these other rules he wants. I don't know how you make a rule though. To... No, I'm just saying. But you asked how you get starting pitchers to be a bigger deal and bigger names. Yeah, you develop more starting, true starting pitchers. No one can do it though. What no, they nobody... did it for 125 years, but then it stopped because you guys they have don't... kids that are playing competitive ball. I you know. know you see it. They can do it. They don't want to do it. That's the biggest difference. The Astros back in 2000. 15 or 16 in the minor leagues, they were doing all piggybacks, all piggybacks, five days of 10 starting pitchers, and then a couple couple uh, bullpen guys mixed in in the minor leagues, all their levels. So that's, that was their choice. Like, they didn't want to do it, whether they did or not. And out of that, Lance McCullers came out of that. And what year they came, what year they finished that kind of stuff, I don't know. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, teams don't want to do it because they are, A, afraid of injuries. Well, that hasn't subsided. I think it's gone up, but I don't know the numbers on that. And, B, they, they think that there is a value there in throwing the ball a billion and just hit the strike zone instead of hitting areas. I think you see the ability for the Diamondbacks to get as far as they have Yes, they have guys that throw really hard, but they have guys that are able to attack areas. And the guys who haven't been able to attack areas in this really microscopic series, because everything is really just, it's watched and it's analyzed and everything, it's showing. The pitchers who can locate pitches are the ones that are most successful. Max Scherzer talked about it in his pregame press conference or yesterday's press conference before today's game. 
he said it's about it like this is still just about location and pitch selection and okay that's what you got to teach yeah it's just it's just tough to enforce that's that's no, the problem we're, we're here. trying to enforce everything now it's not yeah, about but, the commissioner enforcing that go do something that's, else that's organizations that's organizational okay. philosophy. So, so let me give you the the other few here. So, let's move to the baseball. Manfred said he would grade MLB's attempts to create a different pre-tacked baseball a C minus. That's actually surprising. Like, I'm I'm glad that they gave themselves a C. But I'm surprised thing. they can't come up with one. Japan has one. Korea has you one. You guys got to call someone at the league office. Call. I just like, don't understand guys, why this is this hard. Someone, you guys got to call one of those guys. I just want to know like more specifics. I mean, he gave us a little bit. He said, "quote We thought we had a pretty good model last year. It got gummy." the baseball when it got hot we went back to the drawing board on it and then this was in the athletic article by evan drelick he said by design a ball would not be mud mudded in the same way as the current baseball that creates a separate problem even if they could get the tackiness right the hypothetical new ball would likely be bright white which would be an advantage to hitters that part i don't give a shit about come on that's that's over that's over managing that's overthinking yeah. yeah, that's over. That's fake hustle. I don't, I don't give a shit about that. That's ridiculous. To me, also I advantage know for hitters. Fine. If there's a half a run per game more in baseball next year, I think we'll all be okay. I want to know that. I want to know the inner workings of it. Are they not willing to go to the ball that the jab or the tacking system that the Japanese ball uses because they're trying to go with one of their buddies? Are they? You know, is there is there any kind of like business politics going on in this where they're trying to always. like it's always there always come on so then let's just get it right i agree here's a lot before uh, we can figure this out this isn't this literally is not rocket science it's, it's not a baseball. that hard put some sticky stuff on and make it equal for everybody and the pitchers will figure it out i know but it's been way too this should have been figured out 10 years ago well, i agree this but they don't insane. want to my, my, yeah okay and and the other one, dude, I don't know if you're going to get to the Olympic thing. Yes. I wasn't going to, but did yeah. you no, want I, to? No, I want to talk about this because I think okay. this is a big deal. So in 28, the Olympics come come back to baseball because the Olympics are America-based, LA, right? America. So they're like, we want MLB players to play in it. Well, when are the Olympics? Summer. We're going to stop the MLB season? No, we're not. So this is, I mean, I would love I to see do. it. Yeah, but... Is Rob Manfred going to give up that month? Is anybody on? Are the players going to? I mean, some well, will go, Japan some did. Won't. It's not happening. I, I agree, I, but I, I think I don't even think it's worth talking about because there's no chance. I, I know, but I, I think if we want to promote the sport and we want the World Baseball Classic, basically on the world's biggest stage, one time you can do it. You can make an exception one time. Okay. I, I feel like you can do and, it. And if someone and I, gets hurt, someone gets hurt. I mean, they might get hurt. Well, you have to get insurance, and I'm sure the Olympics won't pay for the insurance. No. I don't know if you've looked up the Olympic Committee, but um, they're not. <laughs> they don't play by the rules. <laughs> the Olympic Committee and FIFA, they're best friends. I was going to say FIFA. I yeah. mean, hockey does it. Uh, hockey so. does it. Soccer does it. Here's the biggest thing. Yes, they could stop the league. Who owns the WBC? Well, MLB. MLB. That's why it's in spring training. Who owns the Olympics? A bunch of crooks, also. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it, but hey, if, if the MLB, that's why they left it open. If the MLB gets a little kickback, they'll be like, hmm, yeah, we'll think about it. And PA would say, pay for everyone's insurance. You know, my dudes. They do. They, I mean, there's there's insurance. Do. When I went to the qualifiers for the Olympics, I love I love Olympic international baseball. Is some of the most it's playoff baseball for me. And then international baseball is phenomenal. How, how many? How long would they actually need off though? Two weeks. Three weeks. 
three weeks, you think, for the whole Olympic tournament? Because they yeah. would have to – but everyone's in the shape. They're in shape at that point. Yeah, you don't have to get ready for it. No, it's just and I, and I think the games will be less than three weeks. But you'd have to get everybody out to L.A. and have at least, like, three days together as a team. I don't see it. I'm just telling you. I, no, I think, I think it would be great for the game. I don't know how it could work, but I think it would be I, awesome. If you're yeah. running the true, the true teams out there. Like, even the WBC isn't the true teams. But there's no excuse in the middle of August. Everyone's hot. I mean, unless you're hurt. But everybody's hot. Everyone's in. It's like they're, they're doing talking flag football. They're, I mean, I know that's in the offseason, but the NFL is going to run out their dudes. Are they? They're, they're talking about like Tyree Kill and these guys are like, I want to play. That'd be sick. Right? Like, that's, that's going to press the forward button on fans watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense to college kids, even minor league guys. You put the stars of the stars in the Olympics, which everyone says, I'll play for USA. I want to play for USA. I want to, oh, wait, no, I don't really want to play because it's WBC. But the Olympics, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of, I think it'd be unbelievable, but it won't happen. Well, let's ask our, our next guest who's going to talk to us mostly about D backs, but the mayor of Phoenix Sports covers the D backs for uh, PHNX D backs. Derek Montiel back with us. And uh, we talked during the watch party, but we now get a little extended time, Derek. So, what do, you, what do you think? Would you like to see the Olympics go down in L.A. with all the sports stars? And do you think it would have an impact like, say, basketball or hockey does on the Olympics when they send their big boys? I mean, AJ's right. The, the one way to get interest in this is to have the actual MLB players be a part of it. But that's not going to happen. There, there's no way. Because on, on the flip side, I, no, I'm not, sending, um, I'm not sending my best players out there, the guys that I spend all that money on. Uh, you, you're you're playing games for this team, and that's uh, that's my primary concern as uh, the owner of a franchise. I know you want to grow the game, but I, I just I'd have I'd have a hard time seeing these guys be allowed to go play uh, in something like this in the middle of the season. Hold on, Derek. We got a special guest, Jonathan Papelbon's joining us. Hold on, wait. Hey, <laughs> just actually, it's, it's great you bring that up because uh, thanks to you guys, we're starting uh, a cockfighting podcast together. So, I'm oh, no. <laughs> oh no! All right. Well, on the field, your boys are looking pretty good right now. The team that you covered, the Diamondbacks, really showing yeah. the world what it's all about. So. Um, do you think they're the favorite? Like, I, they're technically not the favorite on, on BetMGM odds at the moment to win the series, but they're getting close. But do you think at this point, from what you've seen, barely lose one game, win the next convincingly, now take the series to their home ballpark, do you think that they're the favorite to win the series? I feel like they are, especially because of the way we saw them play in that Philly series, right? I didn't expect that kind of performance uh, in Philadelphia from this team and and the way that they were able to get the job done there. It, it makes it hard to not have them be the favorite. But I also understand that this Texas Rangers team is is really good and really talented. They, they've proved that they can win on the road as well. That's why this doesn't seem like a slam dunk series at home at Chase Field. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, especially with these three games, you know, how things go. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad, though, the way things line up, because the way that Merrill Kelly pitched in game two, I, I don't think that there is another guy you would want to see potentially lined up for a game seven should it go that far before game one of the world series should evan longoria have been benched and do you still feel the same way uh, i i i don't i don't but it's it's because this team is so youthful that the experience of guys like evan longoria and tommy fam i i think are a big part of why they're here right like these the, the rest of this roster has no clue 
it's you know there's a few guys in there i don't want to take away from some of them but you know corbin carroll alec thomas brandon fought these guys just they're just you know playing baseball and i don't have an explanation as to how they're able uh to do what they've been able to do but they they seem they they seem to be very comfortable you know in this big role granted in his uh uh, in his pre uh, press conference yesterday, he was it was like stand up hour with Fott there for a little bit. He was cracking jokes and correcting people's pronunciation of Louisville, uh, which I think I got that right there. I hope he's not mad at me for that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot to, about this team right now that feels like you know is going going in their direction. So I know you you said you don't have an explanation for it, but I'm still going to press you on that front anyway. You know, I think back to when they lost series against the Yankees and the Mets towards the end of the year. And I look at the ball that they're playing right now. What's the one thing that stands out the most? And let's put fought aside, right? Because clearly he's been a different pitcher in the postseason, even though we know the stuff's been there. And also he's a rookie. So he's just showing up and that's been huge. But but that's not the only thing going on here. So like what else stands out to you where you're like, they weren't doing that in September? Offense. Really, I mean, really, what it, when it comes to what they've done in some of these series? I mean, the eleven to to one victory against the Dodgers just completely blew me away, and I was unexpected. You know, this team has not been able to put up these kind of runs. If you look back at their season, you look back at their run differential this year. They, I think, they were them and Miami were the only two teams to sneak in with a negative run differential. This team just was not scoring runs consistently, and even when they were it seemed like they would just do enough to win games and not really, you know, blow teams out like we've seen them do a few times so far here in the postseason. To me, that's the most surprising part. Do you think that if the Texas Rangers see Ginkle and Seawald, the next, say, how many potential games are left? Five? Five, but they get on three. Right. So let's say they see him in, let's say it goes seven. They see him in four out of the next five. Do you think that eventually it's going to cause a problem? Like if you're seeing the same guys over and over again? Yeah. I think that's the reason why you see Troy Lavolo pull guys so early. I mean, I know there's, there's constantly been discussions about uh, Lavolo pulling Fott early, Lavolo pulling Merrill Kelly early. I, I think a big part of it is that he's just trying to protect his starting pitcher at times from, you know, being seen too many times. And, and that could be the case with the bullpen in a seven game series like this. I don't think that either one of those guys do a whole lot that you don't already know is coming, especially Paul Seawald. I mean, the Rangers are very familiar with him considering he used to be right there in their division with the Mariners. So I, I, I think, you know, it, that experience might be the reason why Corey Seager hit that home run off of them. It might be, you know, a problem. Tory is going to rely on this bullpen and the guys that he's going to rely on are Ryan Thompson, Paul Seawald and Kevin Ginkle. And those guys have continued to be great for this team down the stretch. They're absolutely, when you talk about the regular season, you talk about those games there in August. Uh, that's they're, they're the reason uh, this team was able to, to sneak into the playoffs and, and then do all of this stuff that they've done so far. So I, I think they're going to continue to rely on them. I think we're going to see Tory continue to, you know, kind of limit, like Brandon fought today, for instance, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he only faces 18 batters again. And, and that's the end of his day, no matter how good he's doing. So uh, it's, I, I just feel like Tori is going to rely on the thing that brought him here. And that's been the bullpen, even though that faltered in game one. 
D-backs fans accepting of bandwagon D-backs fans, or are they a yes. really close knit group of hundred of hundred of people? <laughs> no, we can't. We can't be picky here. Uh, we need to accept all the fans. You know, we can. And honestly, I've talked about it before. This this organization has a hard time building fans for so many reasons. Not only have they not been around for a million years, like all of the other franchises in baseball, but they, they just, they literally have the, the fans here in town split up by spring training and, and by the fact that so many people are transplant fans here. So I, I think the snakes need as many fellow snakes as possible. So uh, if I'm an ambassador for this team right now, I will say we welcome everybody because this team's fun and uh, they're young. They're going to be exciting to watch for a number of years. Uh, and I think that this is just the beginning, which what a, what a, what a way to introduce the world to, you know, Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas and Brandon fought. Uh, like like this, you know. What's the scene been like out there? You know, now they get to host the games, but did they host yeah. people at the ballpark for the first two? You know how some places they will do not. that. They didn't. Okay. Yeah, they have they have like a Guy Fieri's restaurant out front that they've been doing all of the watch parties for, and they've been pretty electric, to be honest. I mean, people here are excited, and there's you know basketball and hockey starting the Cardinals those are the Cardinals. So there's not a lot to be excited about at times sports wise here in this town. The Suns pretty much run things here and it feels really great for, you know, fans to be coming out to the airport to, to see the guys come back. And it feels great to have, you know, everybody so excited about this team. This, this is how the, the organization can build a fan base is, is by doing this. It was Jerry Colangelo's vision in the first place. He said, we have to win in order to build fans here. And, and that's why, you know, 2001, they, they, you know, made such a push to do that then. This year, couldn't couldn't be more different than that 2001 team. Yet, here we are, you know, back back in the World Series. Derek, what, you saw the Tommy Pham stuff about him oh, yeah. giving up his bat. I mean, you have to love that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, as a, as a, I, as a lover of sports and a lover of team sports, you have to be like this ultimate team thing. It's, it, it's just an example of how people have talked about Tommy Pham and the Diamondbacks clubhouse. Fam gets a bad rap at times. There's been a lot of, you know, talk about his reputation and such. And I think that this is just an example of who he truly is. Uh, this this team, the, you know, their, their catchphrase has become, we're a connected team and connected teams are a dangerous team. There's also some expletives in there as well. But, uh, you know, it's the, the exciting part about it is this is showing why they call themselves a connected team. I mean, it goes beyond the stats and everything like that. And, and they've really tried to play baseball in a way where they hand the baton off to the next guy and, and you know, trust that your teammates can get it done. The, the locker room has just galvanized over not only this run, but kind of over the fact that they've played so many important games. Like we kind of joked about calling almost every regular season game in September, you know, a must win. But they, they've been playing playoff baseball for a long time. And I think that that's allowed them to truly have that, you know, this is our last game kind of point of view going into every single game they play. So this D-backs team is a young team, okay? As a fan, as a D-backs fan who's hasn't seen anything really since 2001, no World Series since 2001, would you take a World Series this year and no more playoff appearances for another 20 or no more World Series again for another 20 plus years? Or would you rather this team lose this year play five more playoff years and then win a world series. Oh, that's, that's tough. Uh, I I've been, 
enjoyed this playoff run so much that if I had to pick one of those two options, it would probably be getting to, to watch this team, you know, make five more playoff runs. Like it, it's just been so exciting. And they've, they've, you know, there's been the fun with Mad Dog Russo. There's been, you know, adopting Ski from Sexy Red as their unofficial anthem. There's just been so much uh, like stuff that makes you love this team, you know? So I, I think that playing meaningful games at the end of the season is what it's all about. And then getting to this point where you can kind of make some noise in the playoffs and, and build a fan base, especially, you know, when, when you get down to this, like the, the Diamondbacks, you know, getting seen nationally in a way that they don't normally, you know, get seen and, and kind of be having a chance to grow this organization's fan base, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So I would, I would pick more playoffs than eventually getting there, but uh, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully what we can see is, is both of those things combined with this team. You can't have both. Sorry. That wasn't part of the question. I want both. I want both. Yeah, well, you can't. But you can (laughs) have a 75-degree day in Arizona when all these Texans are coming into Arizona and saying, wow, Arizona's really nice, and the roof's going to be open. Is this good or bad for the Diamondbacks or even the game tonight? How is this going to play? How is it going to affect it? Uh, well, I'll tell you the I, I'm taking the over on, on the run score. That's for sure with the roof open. But Chase Field with the roof open is just a completely different place. We don't get to see it often with so many hundred degree days here in Arizona. So I think that the atmosphere is going to be incredible. It's, it's sold. The rest of the series is sold out here at home. So I think uh, with the roof open, the panels open, we're gonna we're gonna see the ball flying a little bit more than we typically do, and it's gonna be interesting to see you know how how these offenses can get on track. I'll say this, though. I love the fact that, you know, we have Alec Thomas playing so well offensively right now because uh, he there's nobody you want playing center field for this team other than Thomas, especially at Chase Field. It's, it's wonky. It's weird. It's got the overhang there and the porch in, in center field. Uh, and the You know, most home runs that would be home runs elsewhere are not home runs here. So uh, it's just great to have such a great defender out there, you know, tracking everything down. He's been tremendous for this team. Derek, uh, before we let you go, enough about the World Series. I got to ask about the things behind you. Uh, are you yes. going to be Iron Man as Halloween? Because you also have a Luigi hat. And then are you uh, like no, I do. Uh, you saw the Luigi hat. That's that. That's the mustache. The Luigi hat. It all goes together. Uh, yeah, for sure. I got I got a little Mario Super Mario thing planned for sure. But okay, makes sense because your mustache kind of got the M, so you maybe be Mario over Luigi. But yeah, yeah. And then are. And then are you like George Costanza? You needed the dig dug machine behind you because you have the all-time record and you didn't want to unplug it, so you got like the battery and you wheeled it home and then so you wouldn't unplug because you had the all-time high score? Actually, exactly how it went. I did have to frogger it across the street, though, and that was uh, (laughs) very perilous. So uh, I'm glad I got it here in one piece. Okay. Are you the dig dug champion of all time? I, I I am the Dig Dug champion of all time. I am a huge Dig Dug guy, so uh, it's it's not usually a lot on a lot of people's radar. So maybe that's how I maintain that title. But uh, I just call myself the mayor of everything. So I'm the mayor of Dig Dug, mayor of PHNX. Uh, one time, Heidi Watney on the uh, uh, Apple broadcast called me the actual mayor of Phoenix, which I appreciate that, even though I didn't have to run uh, in any election. So <laughs> things are going well for me. <laughs> all right, all right. Nice job, Heidi. I like that. Yeah. Uh, what's Dig Dog, by the way? Oh my gosh! Oh, Stop it. It's, it's this little here. guy he walks around. He get him out of here. Stuff, and they you have to like mm-hmm. pump him up of air, and you make him explode. Gosh, you never played Dig Dog? Have you ever Man. seen Seinfeld when he gets the Frogger and he has out Costanza and he he has to take the Frogger across the street and it's, they're like it's one of the greatest. I episodes. saw that. Okay. Yeah. 
right. You I'll don't work. know what Dig Dug is. I got I got no time between this show and our next show, so I'll work on it. <laughs> when you were 12, there was no time? That's fair. No, no, no. I'm saying now to learn it. No, 12, oh, I just yeah. it, I didn't come across it. I mean, was that before or after like Sonic and Sega Genesis? Before. This was like Pac Man days. Oh, well, then I'm This is like Pac Man, Centipede, Dig Dug. Yeah. Those are like the games. You are uh, aging me a hundred years as you speak I'm, right now. I'm just. You? What about me? That's what I grew up on. I'm 35. I just I didn't have Dig Dug. I just I didn't come across it. Pac-Man though, big Pac-Man guy. So Galaga. Yeah. So yeah, all that stuff. You're more of a Miss Pac-Man guy for me. Miss Pac-Man. You like the turbo whereas I love Miss Pac-Man. She's fantastic. Derek, thank you. Good luck to your squad. Enjoy watching the game tonight. Appreciate it. Talk to you guys later. Sounds good. Thank you, um, Derek and PHNX. You can see all of his coverage. Uh, we'll post it on our Twitter, obviously, if uh, you want to follow along. Um, very fun follow. Okay. Let's hit your Players' Choice Awards category breakdown. Sponsored by Candy Digital. Let's get after it with NL Outstanding Pitcher Finalists. Justin Steele versus Blake Snell versus Zach Gallen. Well... This is one of those categories where, where I'm going to have a hard time being convinced that every player shouldn't put Blake Stell's name. And I get the innings convo because I'm all about it. Innings is a big deal for me when you're voting for the best pitcher. But you guys have voted for these awards in the past. Tell me how you can see a scenario where someone goes, you know what? I'm not going Snell. Aside from, I don't know, he hit me in a game or something like that. But aside from that, like, of these three, Gallon has a significant amount of innings more, 30 more innings, but he also has over a run of a difference on his ERA. And it's not all about ERA, but can you guys help me out? Is there any case where you look at this and don't say Blake Snell is essentially a unanimous winner? He's going to unanimously win the Cy Young, probably. Okay. So there's no, I mean, there's going to be a couple people that don't. Yeah, but that's different. Him. I'm saying with players. No, I'm saying, like, do you think no, a player no, would look no. at this and, and make mm-hmm. any case? Well, depending on where they when they vote, too, though. But yeah. still, but it's, I mean, because like right if you don't the, vote, it's right, pretty close. It's, to it's the usually finish. right at the end. Yeah, but you know, his last three or four starts were Insane. clutch good mm-hmm. <laughs> to win the Cy Young, right? So I don't see there's any way. Obviously, Snell's going to win this. Now, unanimous is never going to be unanimous because someone's always going to vote for their teammate, Zach Allen and, and Justin Steele. So it's never going to be unanimous. But this should be a landslide for Blake Snell. Did they put on there that we weren't allowed to vote for our teammates, or was that not a thing? I didn't. For some reason, no. maybe it said maybe it said you weren't allowed to vote for yourself or something like that. But always vote for yourself. Kratz for most outstanding everything. Always vote for. By the way, that's the dumbest. Always, you think the president of the United States when they're running, they don't vote for themselves. They're like, I'm going to vote for the other guy. I thought there was. I thought there was. Always vote for yourself. That's just dumb. You don't vote for yourself. Yeah, you yeah, voted for is- yourself for most outstanding player. Uh, pff, every year. No, you didn't. Because <laughs> in my mind, I was the most outstanding player. <laughs> no, you didn't. Stop it. But. I don't know. I wrote myself in sometimes. That makes sense, though. If you can't vote, we can check this, too. I'll I'll put a note to check this. If if you're a Padres player, then, yeah, you might have voted for Zach Allen first, right? You've seen him. If you're a Padres player, you definitely vote for Blake Snell. Unless you're not allowed to. And if you can't, you're definitely not voting for the person who you think would be the second best. Who I think would be Steele, so you probably would vote for Gallon. Because I think Steele would probably be be second. I think so. If you look at his ERA and some other numbers, I think Steele was the guy most likely to chase Blake Snell in the, in the Cy Young until the end. Zach Gallon. I mean, Steele ran out of gas towards he the did. finish line. Yep. Gallon didn't have a great Gallon finish did either. too, but Gallon had 40 more innings. Wait, 
Is that right? Or more? Yeah. Those don't matter, though. 40 more innings. Those don't matter. What was his They FIP? don't matter to players? What was his FIP? Players don't care about innings? I don't know. What was his FIP? His whip, whip is pretty nine. impressive, though. His whip, FIP, ERA plus. Whip. All those stats. Zach all those Allen's stats. whip was better than Justin Steele. Gallon was a 1-1-2. One, one, Steele was a 1-1-7. One, one, I'm going Gallon. Okay. You, you, you can be wrong. Give me the innings. I think Steele Steel had – I think Steele – he was in the running. It was like, as much as Blake Snell went up, Steele went down. Like, it was like, they were, they were kind of, I still think, I feel, sorry, Snell had, Snell had, you know, he was ahead and then he just went, I think it was like 12, 13, 11, 10, 13 strikeouts all at the end of the season, all in like six inning starts. And Steele went like, and, you know, they were riding him for a while. And then at the end, they really needed him to step up. And I think he was out of gas. Yep. I mean, it's, it's no. Yeah. It's you would argue over second place. It's like, great. Yeah. I, I am, though. I'm saying I, I feel pretty good about Zach Allen. Okay. In second place. I'm not saying he's go, necessarily Zach. going to win. But I actually do think he has a pretty good chance of, of winning second place. Second place. What does that get you? Ding. Guys, I'm trying to have some fun here because it's easy. Blake Snell's winning this award, but I'm saying Zach Allen could be a, a strong second place. It's a 40-inning difference, and I don't think Congratulations, some Zach. of the other uh, numbers make enough sorry, of Justin. a case for one way or another. I'm sorry, Justin. Who's your second place? Just give me your second place. Justin you have to did. pick. Me too. I'm, I'm with Crouch here. Okay. So you guys don't care about innings. That's fine. No, I just, I think, just, I just think Gallon's consistency won't shine as much of a light on – what Steele did early. Steele was Steele had a two four ERA at one point. Dude, Deep Zach Allen the started the All Star game. He was he might have been the best pitcher in the first half of the year. No, he might have been. I think you guys are overlooking half, half run lower ERA for Justin Steele. Yeah, that's half what he's run. got him on. That's what he's got him on. I'm just saying, I, I like Allen. Got less losses. Big money difference. I don't look at losses. No, then you don't oh. care about wins. You don't care about whip. No wins. What about whip? Cool whip. So basically, anyway. none of these stats matter. Who has a better smile? Ooh. That's who's going to a better win. name. No, but Justin Steele. What for are you me, talking about? It's not just the innings oh, you're eating. Justin it's, Steele. It's it's what you're doing for your bullpen. That matters to me. I, if it's close, it's close. But 40 inning difference. Innings don't matter. Look at look at look at Snell. I understand that, but Snell Snell's everything else was so far mm-hmm. ahead of the game that when it starts to get a little more muddled in the middle. Innings is a big deal for me. Okay. I guess it's not for you guys. I don't know. That's just, I just something I'm into. The winner is the winner. Yes. And whoever finishes second doesn't get anything, so who cares? First to lose. Breaking news from AJ Pruszynski. If you're not first, you're last. So if you want more lines like that, check out the Players' Choice Awards on November 2nd, 7 o'clock Eastern time, right here on the Foul Territory YouTube channel. Okay? It's sponsored by Candy Digital. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have some special guests, players, joining us to talk about either their teammates or themselves winning an award. So stay tuned on that front. And also make sure that you go grab your free MLB team pack at go.candy.com slash pack or hit up the QR code. Candy is your official destination for MLB digital collectibles. You can collect, buy, sell, and earn rewards like meet and greets with MLB stars, game used gear, signed memorabilia. I know Pete Alonzo was a big part of a lot of the handouts they were given this year as a special offer for the Foul Territory fam, Candy's offering free MLB team packs, okay? So, again, that's right on your screen, QR code, or go 
www.candy.com slash pack. Sign up with that code and then you go to the team packs and you'll get one for free. Also, we'll put more information in the show notes on YouTube and on our podcast page. There you go. I have to sign up your account. I'm going to help you out after for the show. I love your candy. team pack. Which team candy. pack do you want? Which team pack? You get one team. I get to pick it's like it. a pack of cards, digital. Which which team would you want to take? Well, I mean, I would. Oh, wow, Kratz. I would want the Angels because I could get Otani and Trout. You can't get then them. Then that's what you do. What no, do you mean I can. can't get them? Yes, you can. Why can't I? We're going to open a pack right after this. Wow, Kratz. What's what the it? highlight there? That, are you, you picked the this Rockies? This is my candy digital CJ Crone card highlighted on my infinity infinite object. object. Infinite object. Close well, I say infinity. Infinite yeah. object. Dude, that looks sick. It does look kind of sick. It's Are so cool. Like, it's yeah, I'm get a sh- I, I'll take Shohei. Thank you. We'll open a. Is it one of one? After this. I have to figure out. Somebody needs to let me know how to put the candy cards. My candy pack. I got my Phillies candy pack, so I got to put it on here. Right now, it's just CJ Crone hitting a dinger. Yep, I can help you with that. Need that. Stay tuned. Do okay. we get one of those things too? I get an Infinity Stone? You don't. Uh, no, no. You don't get right Infinity now. Stone. I you have the Apes. I don't know. So you don't get one right now. All right, well, I'm going to snap my fingers and make you guys disappear then. <laughs> You're not Thanos. <laughs> Good luck. Slap. Ball. Okay, don't some people like to leave during slap hands. They're making they're making a mistake. Yes, Kratz. You are the best digital collector and the best digital poker player. Any other awards? Just continue. Just continue. Go. What's that one? Oh, this one? This one right here? Yeah. It's my candy. It's my candy. Oh, nice. There you go. That's I like nice. it. So. so we have we have a fantastic slap hands to offer to the people today. Let's start with. Uh, one of our favorites, Lance Lynn, who has created a pitching tunnel so that he can improve in the offseason. Where is he in the offseason? What region of the country? Is it a cold part of the country? Uh, well, he's from yeah. Indy, but I think he lives in Mississippi. Okay. So or No, no, no. He's in, I don't know where he is now. He's Nashville? back in Indianapolis. Is yeah, that's what in I Indy? thought, Indiana, because it's Harvard. cold. And, yeah. Oh. Okay, ready? His, his wife posted this on Instagram. She goes, don't worry, guys. We put a pitching tunnel in our new house, so Lance won't give up the most homers in a season <laughs> with laughing emojis. That's great. I love, I love it. I love I when love you can that. laugh at yourself. I love Lance and, and his wife like giving each other shade. She That's, posted the salad earlier in the year? Yes. She's awesome. So thank you. Because well, Lance doesn't have social media, so she has to do it for she's him. She's the rep. She's the rep. That's it was cool, like though. when Brad Radke did the home run commercial, the conga line. I don't remember Back that. Is before your time. So there was a back when like Sega was doing baseball games and he had given up the most homers and they're like, it's so realistic. Even Brad Radke gives up homers. And it was him throwing a ball and there was a conga line going around the bases. I used to love that commercial because I played with Brad and I'd be like, this is great that you did this. Wow. That is really cool. Like he did that. it or someone else. No, he was in the commercial. <laughs> he like threw a pitch and the guy hit a homer and there was a conga line going around the bases. Yeah. Do, do pitchers have setups like that is that a normal thing oh. in their look, homes that looked boss yeah that looked real boss that looked I mean, like Todd a dude has a, made some all coin. those cages in his house that's true that's true i don't know 
Okay. Just I live, in, I live in Florida. We, we go outside. I, I understand. You don't have experience on that front. You're up next. What do you got? Uh, the best Halloween costume ever. And if you are trying to compete with this, you lose automatically because Ben Affleck on the left has some random Thank you. On the right. People, <laughs> people said it's Casey and not Ben, which is a good call. Well, either too. one. But one yeah. of the Affleck brothers decided to be Randy Johnson. And he killed the bird with his ball. So that's, I mean, that one's hard to top right there. For, especially with Arizona and the World Series and the authentic Diamondbacks jersey from about 98. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome commercial or pretty awesome costume there. What about the glove from 98, too? Yeah, the whole thing's got the blood on the baseball, fake blood on the baseball. It's pretty solid. The bird has blood on her, whatever, the fella that she has around her neck. Tremendous. Yeah, they, they nailed it. It's the best baseball costume I've ever seen. Okay, also, quick update. Yes, you're allowed to vote for your teammates for the Players' Choice Awards. Ballots are a write-in ballot. Only restraints are that the... National League votes for the NL awards. The American League players vote for the AL awards. Cool. I like it. That makes sense. Thank you for the clarification. And lastly, you know what this made me think of from Adam Wainwright, this tweet? I'll read it to you. People keep asking me if I'm officially retired. Well, here is my official retirement paperwork that we turned into the Cardinals and the PA. Retired? Absolutely. For all the best reasons. We'll send more later. Love y'all. And then reason for retirement, he wrote, because I got a puppy. Now, I have a question. You know Wayno. Mm-hmm. When, when he put that first line on the tweet, was he making fun of what is like my, one of my favorite jokes online? Have you ever seen people, you know how influencers will be like, people keep asking me about my skincare. Well, this is what I use. You've never <laughs> seen that. And then people will like go on and make fun of them. Like people keep asking me about like my toenails and that's because I use whatever. You've never seen that stuff? I don't really follow those people. Oh, you probably do, actually, but you just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. But Kratz, do you think he meant that or that's too in-depth? He just was saying it like a normal person. I don't know. The only thing I can think is when I quit, they sent drug they sent drug testers to my house. Yeah. Or they called they called and they said, Hey, we gotta come, you know, test you tomorrow. I was like, Don't waste your time. I quit. I am not playing anymore. And the woman on the other line was like, well, I have to call the commissioner's office for that. So she called me back and she was like, okay, we won't show up. I never filed any papers <laughs> or anything. So I don't know. He was getting bombarded. I just think it's Wayno being funny. Yeah. But why do you have to fill out the paperwork? I never understood that. I don't know. This is a topic I know nothing about. No, I'm this just saying. I know, I'm, so, I, I mean, I'm not officially retired, even though I haven't played in seven years. Yep. So, great. I want my benefits. Bitches. You're still on the active list. That's right. How come they don't drug test me anymore? Uh, they There's should. nothing more awkward, though, when the guy would come to your house, the drug tester guy. They'd come here? They'd show up at your house. Nothing more awkward. They'd show up at like 7 in the morning, and you're like trying to wake up, get the kids to school, and all of a sudden you know they're coming because they, they tell you the, like the day before, and they're like, hey, he's coming tomorrow at 7 a.m., and you're like, oof. Oh, and you get to get up. You got, can't pee when you get up because then you might not be able to pee when it shows up. You have to just sit there. And with then the he guy walks in your house. Water. There's random guy in your house, random person. And he's like, "All right, let's go in the bathroom. Drop trowel. Take a pee pee in a cup." And then he turns and leaves. That. We should do a whole hour on that in the off season. Kratz, what's on your hat, real quick? AJ. Rail Rochester Red Wings. Red Baron. Oh, the Comer Rainiers. I thought you were the king of Tacoma. I thought you were the mayor of Tacoma. Yeah, I played there three games in my life. 
AKA the mayor of Tacoma. Heidi Watney would call you the mayor Apparently. of Tacoma. Just the mayor. You didn't have to run for us for that last sec. All right. We will see you all tonight after game three of the World Series, the post game show right here with this crazy crew. See you soon. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.